Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what is up? Not really anything going on with me. What about you, Lindsey? Anything going on? Anything exciting? No. It's uh, my favorite time of year when it gets dark early. What? I like it when it gets dark early. People, they hate it. I love it. It's fall. It's a good time. Living in the Midwest. It's cold outside. I love it. Oh. <laughs> no, I mean, I can understand liking the crisp air or liking <laughs> football and mm-hmm. Halloween and whatever else comes. But liking that it gets dark early, that's mm-hmm. terrible. There's just what to do. I'm tired by like six. I love it. I mean, I don't know what it is. And and maybe it's just because I love football season anyways, and nothing can bother me. Uh, But yeah, it's my favorite time of year. But uh, you know what? It's bye week. It's bye week for the Cincinnati Bengals. And and we'll get to midway point of the season, midway point leading up to buy all of that and, and kind of the look ahead of the schedule over the next few episodes. But right now, you went back and you watched the tape. We're going to start with the offense because we flipped it with the defense last time we were recording after the game. And I want to start with Joe Burrow. Was it as bad as it looked in the second half for Joe? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) He's the main issue of the 
it's not exciting. It's just like when the offense really struggles, a lot of that falls on his shoulders and he's not playing particularly well. I don't know what health percentage he would be at or if this is even related to that or if he just had an off game, which happens too. But the second half, it just – it started before the Orlando Brown injury, which did happen, I believe, right before the fourth quarter when I went back You're right. to watch. I saw that. Um, in the third quarter, it happened. He was just inaccurate. He uh, was still kind of on time, but the inaccuracy hurt and then – Anytime you put those balls behind a guy, they could make the play, but they didn't make the play. But overall, yeah, to me, it's just, yeah, bro, injury. And then you tack on the four, the Brown injury. He was out for that fourth quarter. And that's when it felt like he kind of moved and regressed back into being that one to check down type and didn't really trust the offensive line in front of him. I don't blame him when uh, Cody Ford's in there and Cordell Volson on your left side and Cordell has, has struggled a little bit and I'll get more to the offensive line in just a little bit, but it's just, it's unfortunate because you see the scripted play to begin the game and they, they well their first possession, they're able to score. Then they go back down the field. They're able to score again. And, you know, credit to Seattle. I know they're a really good team and they were able to stop them and, and knew that they probably weren't going to be able to run the ball against the Seattle defense, but I at least thought they'd be able to pass the ball. And it's just really unfortunate that, you know, Joe looked like that because he looked mobile. It looked like he could move around. And we talked about the Arizona game. Looked like he was, goodness, if we put a percentage on it, around 90%. And it felt like he was towards the end of everything. So I don't even want to say it's a calf problem. It just, I think you bring up a good point that maybe he just wasn't trusting the his offensive line. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's unfortunate because in the first half he played really well mm-hmm. too so it's not like it was the entire game he just went well that was a wasted game um especially those first two drives i thought he was extremely accurate i mean yeah. i don't know if there were any missed balls maybe you could argue one but when you make 14 passes in a row or something like that it's it's going real well and the offense was going really well mm-hmm. but when you look at how the quarterback played in general i don't there's a lot of it you can't just put on the play callers or the other guys or anything else. It ends up going on to the quarterback who didn't play well. And then the run game also worked out much worse, I think, in that second half. Not that it was doing that great in the first half, but it felt like they were able to keep the offense on schedule in the first half and pick up the short yardage when needed in the first half. In the second half, it did not do that. Other players on the offense outside of Jamar Chase, because I think Brian Callahan said it best uh, a couple days ago where, you know, everybody not named Jamar Chase needs to step up on the offensive side of the ball. You could probably say he's the MVP right now with what he's been able to do. You were going to say something. No, I just had a yawn kind of. (laughs) But um, I want to stay with the wide receivers right now. T Higgins was dealing with a rib injury. I'm not surprised we didn't see a little more from T but the one where he was called for the pass interference, I don't know. I just felt like, what did you think when you when you saw that play? Was that was that on T, or do you think that was just? Yeah, it's on T. I mean, the pass interference, kind of whatever part of it. He didn't catch the ball, and that's when I'm looking at it and trying to figure out 
it's on T. Yeah. It's hard for me to be too critical of a guy that's playing through a cracked rib. And you can think of, I haven't broken ribs before, but I can imagine stretching way up into the air, not only the stretching part of that, but also leaving yourself extremely vulnerable in the midsection. There's a lot of stuff that probably goes into not catching that pass. And uh, I just, I'm not going to get on a guy too much when he's trying to play through an injury. I think that's one of the issues that comes with being a football player in the NFL. Um, you get criticized at the same level, whether or not you're playing through an injury. And that's why I'm trying to give him a little bit of leeway of, yeah, he, he played bad, but at the same time, he's playing through a cracked rib. And I think that's just something you, you look at and you go, okay, well, I'm glad he's gutting it out and able to get out there and hopefully it gets better over time. Yeah. And, and, I agree that the rib injury is something that look, he's a tough guy. He's a tough guy for being out there. We just haven't seen T this season. It feels like, um, week two, maybe yeah, we against the Ravens. I think about the Rams and it's just unfortunate because I, you know, he is one of the top receivers in the NFL and it just feels like we haven't seen that yet. And unfortunately he's dealing with his injury. So, you know, it might take some time to, to see the OGT Higgins back out there this season. Yeah. Um, I hope we can, it's just hard with uh, injuries, you know, like I hope, and I think it could happen. I think it's possible. Hey, it could happen a couple weeks in their next game. Could also not happen for a while. Uh, I think he said like, he's not going to be completely better unless he takes months to heal and he'd rather get out there and play even if he's not a hundred percent. Just something to watch. Hopefully he can get to a better feeling where he's able to play more open and free than he is injured. Um, but, yeah, you need more a better performance from the wide receivers and includes him. I thought Tyler Boyd had a really good first half. And then second half, I don't know how much of that's on him. Like To me, Tyler Boyd's lack of production is pretty related to Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's good, feeling good, moving, and throwing the ball accurately. It seems like he's playing well. When he's not, Tyler Boyd's not producing very much, so I don't know how much that's on him. Tight end, whatever. They're not using it, and they brought in a guy that's six foot two and can move kind of well, but they just they haven't really found much use for that in the passing game or really the run game, although they did do some interesting things to utilize him in the run game. Yeah, overall, I just – there's a lot of guys that, you know, the production's just down right now. And the biggest factor is quarterback play. When Joe's up, the team is up. And um, that's that's just how this offense rolls. It doesn't work like that for a lot of NFL teams. Some people can have their playmakers set up and, and the quarterback can play pretty average and they find a way to win the game. They all work with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is is the is the guy that can conduct it and, and really get this offense going. So yeah, they're gonna want to see more out of this offense in, in the second half. And you know, it does get a tough tough stretch when you come out of there and you play the Niners, you have the Bills, um, you go back to more division play and it, it's one of the toughest schedules in the NFL to to the second half of the season. So they're gonna have to see more out of their offense. And um is there any other negative things you would like to say about this offense or anything before we get to some positives? Yeah, I mean, the second, the fourth quarter blocking, it clearly rattled Burrow and he was sped up. He doesn't really seem to 
have a lot of trust and faith in that left side, even though the play calling was surprisingly not all quick game, although it was still protecting those guys. It wasn't as protective as I thought and conservative. Um, the running back room, this wasn't Mixon's best game. The hot start has kind of slowed down a little bit, uh, especially when it comes to getting him to run with enough power to take, you know, like push a linebacker over, like the, that one play they need one yard and Jordan Brooks is free. You Can you make him miss or carry him one yard to pick up that first down? He wasn't able to do it. Um, there are a few plays where he's doing okay, but it's he was doing better earlier in the year and hopefully he can get back to that. The backup running back room is still a mess. The more Chase Brown opportunities, but Chase Brown just gets – tackled by the first guy too much to be the spark plug. It feels like the spark plug running back. It feels like he's not making pretty much anybody miss. And this offensive line and this tight end room wide receiver group isn't going to be able to really give him that runway that he had in college where sometimes he will just go 15 yards untouched, hit top speed and nobody's catching him. They're just not, it's, they're not able to do that for him. So they need a guy that can make somebody miss in the open field Instead, he hasn't been that. Uh, and I also think that they need to find a way, in my opinion, to when it comes to play calling, I don't hate it. I think that when everything starts going and the game, you're like in the middle of the game, later in the game, they need to be able to move away from the plays that aren't working, even if those are kind of the core concepts to the team. Like, to me, I think they should be able to get some of their more creative calls that they use in the first couple of drives and get back to those in drive seven, you know, in the fourth quarter or the third quarter. Just bring something back that worked but wasn't part of, you know, like day one install type of thing because it feels like they really lean back into those things, especially they can dabble a little bit, but for the most part in the run game, that's when they really just hammer the same two concepts. And when they get to the pass game, they're not doing – something crazy different and it was never that negative of a game script that they couldn't try to run some of their more interesting play action plays yeah the in-game adjustments are still really questionable right now and you know that's something that you're going to have to fix and, and when you talk about the running back room i don't see them bringing in somebody um over by week i think they're going to roll with the guys they do have but you you got to figure it out um if it is changing guys out from it's chase brown one play to Trebion to maybe Chris Evans, you you, you just got to switch it up because it can't be Joe Mixon all the way. Um, it It's – you got to have a run game. I know they want to pass the ball. I know they have Joe, Bur Joe Burrow quarterback. I know they have the weapons, but you need to be able to balance your offense out. It just – you can't go the rest of the season with saying this is your running game. This is how you're going to attempt to run the ball, if, if at all. Um, so the running back two problem is a huge issue. I know I brought it up on the podcast. I don't see them calling Denver and saying, Hey, how much for Samaje P Ryan or trying to get a guy up the street right now. Um, but, and that's just, that's just the way it works with them. Um, and in the season, I, we heard that conversation last year when Jamar Chase went down, will they trade for a wide receiver? What will they do for the wide receiver room? That was insane though. That was a little insane. Yeah. That was insane. Insane. Trade for DJ Moore, like trade your first round pick for DJ Moore and like, yeah. What? Yeah, it's gonna be out like four weeks, guys. I'm glad they did. This is kind of one of those things where I'm like, hmm, you you got to be thinking about a plan. 
And like I said before, it's not because Joe Mixon can't be your RB1. It's your RB2. You need an RB2 with this team. And nobody's producing or stepping up in that position. And they can't get anything going. So that's not good enough. Uh, but I do want to get to some of the positive. Because the way the tone feels like they lost the game. But there's some positives in this game. And I, and I want to stay with the offense right now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yoshi, first touchdown. How did that one look? Because I went back and watched that highlight a few times just with the way Joe had time. Yoshi was getting open. It just was, it looked beautiful. It looked, it looked just for Yoshi out there. It looked like that play was just for Yoshi. It was literally the right side doesn't run a route at the start of it, thinking that it was just going to be the easy touchdown. But the Seahawks actually take away the concept at the start and they really jammed the crap out of him. I think that's what got flagged for the defensive holding. But, um, yeah, he doesn't get open on the initial concept because he gets jammed and knocked off his spot. They do a great job of blocking. And Burrow starts moving to his left. Yoshi starts the scramble drill to his left. And then instead of uh, just running across the back line, because to me, that like you're not helping yourself as a wide receiver doing that, because there's a six foot four corner that's sitting there. Now you're trying to figure out how you get the, the ball trajectory to go over him and whatever else. He cuts in front of that corner and beats him to the front pylon. And that makes you easy. You're making it easy and making yourself uh, more available to the quarterback when you do that and gives him an easy throw to make there instead. I thought that was kind of like a vet move from a rookie guy who, like a lot of rookies, just run across the back line and think like, I'm going to sneak behind the corner. He won't see me. Uh, instead, he said – doesn't matter if he sees me or not. I'm going to beat him to that spot, and then I'll catch the ball. And that's what happened. And really cool. I, I love seeing him run uh, the scramble drill there. It felt kind of smart. You know, Princeton guy, maybe that's why. But uh, for a rookie player, that was like a vet move to pull out and use. When you watch him, uh, you can even go back to the Arizona game. You know, we talked about what we thought would be his first catch. It looked like he was in, um, and then he had his first catch in the Arizona game. Then he gets his first touchdown a week later. Do you see them utilizing Yoshi more and what they can do with him as, as one of the weapons? Because it's kind of crazy. If we go back to training camp, you remember those conversations from the outside of people thinking, is Yoshi going to be a practice squad player? Is Yoshi going to be well, – where, where are they going to put Yoshi? I mean, no, we never thought that. We thought he'd be on the active roster, and that was a really good decision by Cincinnati. And obviously to get him in the sixth round, they had a lot of interest in him. He was here for a two-day visit uh, before the NFL draft. And uh, it seems like he could be someone who they utilize more with this offense. Yeah, it's just tough. I, I mean, I don't see him really stealing very many snaps from the starting three guys. He is kind of in the Stanley Morgan role, which is interesting, where when they go heavy and just one wide receiver, it's him. Or when they really want a blocking wide receiver, they bring him onto the field. So that's kind of cool. Uh, and I think they'll use him right now while T is hurt and just give him some breathers. But unless there's an injury, I, I feel like his role is kind of 
said as not very not too many snaps in this. I don't think they're going to throw him out there and say like, "Yeah, T's not cutting it. Let's let's use Yossi Vash. I think that's kind of pie in the sky thinking oh, there. No. I don't I do I wouldn't think of it like that because obviously having yeah. T on the field is your best option, even a T who's dealing with a rib injury right now. But I still think that there there's a way to involve Yoshi with this offense. I mean yeah, there's some snaps here and there, and I mean they have dabbled in some ten personnel stuff, especially uh, when it's a like third and long situation. So you can get them onto the field, um, similar to how they're getting Irwin onto the field as well. But to me, the main use is if a wide receiver goes out, he has a lot of juice to be the backup and come in there and take some snaps. Yeah, we'll see what uh, happens after the bye. Listening to Brian Callahan, did you? He's he's one of those guys we've said it before. He's very honest in his interviews. He sounded pretty angry in his uh, going into bye week of how he's feeling about this offense. Did you have any takeaways with that? Just feels frustrated and it's understandable. Um, a lot of it comes down to the quarterback play, but it felt like in this game in the second half, nobody really played particularly well outside of Jamar Chase, and even Jamar Chase. You could argue, you know, he had the interception that he he and Burrow weren't on the same page. He had the ball down the left sideline that he didn't read as a go ball. Uh, and also maybe he could have held on to that ball through Witherspoon making the contact. But that was a short completion. I don't know. Like, I guess you could even point to, like, Jamar Chase was really good, and maybe he could have even been better. So yeah. everybody could have been better for the most part in the second half of this game. But when you come look at the good side of everything, I mean, there was some interesting stuff they did. They, they're really efficient early on in this game. There's reason to believe that this offense is mostly – no, sorry, I should say there's reason to believe that there is hope for this offense in the next couple of weeks rather than just thinking, oh, man, it didn't feel to me like the Rams game. The Rams game felt like a slog for this offense. This one, the offense felt wide open early on, and it just kind of malfunctioned in the second half. Do you, I thought about that earlier. Do you think that was the biggest thing is we saw that Arizona game, and it felt like, oh, this offense is going to be just fine. And then you see that first series in this game. They score two touchdowns, and you're like, ah, eh, just, a, just a bad – pretty much all all around second half for this offense and you kind of just you move on from it but I, I agree I feel better than I did after the Rams game yeah just because you did see him move the ball and it looked like stuff that they normally do they look like the Bengals of the past couple of years on those first couple of drives and even on the third drive they were moving a little bit just the second half just complete failure and they fell apart and obviously that can't happen against the 49ers and the bills and those teams. But at the same time, the Rams game never felt like the offense got its footing under itself. Like it, it seemed like a disaster, like the entire game. And I remember the first half Burrow wasn't even throwing the ball 10 yards downfield. Uh, this, it didn't feel like Burrow was that limited. It didn't feel like the offense had no hope. It felt more like, just guys weren't executing at a level that they needed to. And the quarterback wasn't playing up to the level that you're expecting. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, listening to Joe Burrow and his post game on CBS, listening to him with the media, you would have thought that they had lost this game, but he, but he said it best. You'll never apologize for a win. It's hard to win in the NFL. You take this win. It's a tight race in the AFC right now. There's a lot of three and three teams. Um, you have your four and twos. And then uh, obviously the Chargers dropped one to Dallas. So that kind of helps Cincinnati too. If it's kind of a uh, looking at the standings, the second half of the season type of way for, for this team right now, and especially in the AFC North. I want to move over to the defensive side because that was fun. That looked like those guys just had a lot of fun. I was listening to the Logan Wilson mic'd up afterwards, the way they're talking and getting those turnovers, stopping them. Lou Anarumo told uh, Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson the very last play. I'm going to need you guys out there. Uh, I'm sure that they were just exhausted at that point, but he needed them out there because he needed him to end the game. And it was just it was just all around a good effort. You have uh, one of the top guys on defense right now and Trey Hendrickson in the league. Uh, and it's really, really fun to see. He feels like, honestly, a steal and underrated for his extension and what they're paying him compared to a lot of the other guys uh, around the NFL. But uh, where do you want to start on defense? Yeah, uh, I think the defensive line, which is the most impressive part, they had got constant pressure. Uh, Trey Hendrickson had one of his best games of his career. Trey Hendrickson, not sorry. Sam Hubbard had one of the best games of his career. Uh, and it was against a backup right tackle, but he dominated him. And we've talked about that before. That doesn't always happen. Like sometimes that matchup happens. You think it's a big mat- mismatch on paper. It doesn't go that way. This one went that way. He was awesome. Um, DJ Reader was a good run defender and one of their better pass rushers in this game. BJ Hill was getting a lot of pressure, including the last play of the game. And Trey Hendrickson won his matchup against a good player for the most part. Uh, Cross won some of those, but Trey Hendrickson also was able to get pressure and when it mattered and get back there, clean up some stuff with some sacks. And then I also thought that uh, Cam Sample had a really, really good game from rushing from the inside. He was running over the left guard for both his big quarterback hit before the half and his sack. He used the same move, actually, a swipe move to the outside on both of those. So that was cool to see. Um, Not what you got one Murphy snap and you get a lot of a sigh, but yeah, hasn't looked great. I don't know what's going on with that. Obviously, he's coming off an injury still. And I, I don't I don't get the Joseph Asai stuff. I'm not complaining because the D line definitely stepped up. I'm just wondering kind of what the plan is. With Joseph Asai. Well, uh, I do think in this one, Charles Cross got the better of him. Charles Cross is a good left tackle. I would like to see him rush over the right tackle a little bit more and see if he could have taken any, if he could have gotten any pressure, any sacks, any hits on the backup right tackle that was in there. But Sam Hubbard didn't really come out of the game and he was throwing gas the entire game. So I got it. I get why. And Trey Harrison was one that took some breathers. And so when he stepped in for that spot, those guys don't flip sides and he just didn't win. And it's a little bit frustrating. And it's another one of those like T where I don't yet want to criticize a player too much because they could just be fighting through the injury that kept them off the field earlier this year. And we'll see going forward. Hopefully this bye week just gets all these guys that you're worried about feeling a lot better and playing a lot better. Yeah, there's a lot of guys. I mean, you can look at Cheeto, T. Higgins, uh, Joseph Asai, Joe Burrow uh, getting this this bye week at this time, and, and you hope that can only help them in uh, just getting that extra rush before you see the 49ers. But we'll go to the secondary. Uh, Cam Taylor-Britt, I know we talked about him 
just seeing the matchup with DK, he's a physical kind of corner. You're going up against a physical wide receiver. It was uh, it was one of those matchups that I almost want to see again, just because Cam Cam had he was in his head, he was in DK's head uh, watching the replay because I didn't even see the DK push until after the game. Oh, um, yeah. I'm on the clips and things like that, and just watching him out there was was really exciting to see out of the second year cornerback. And he was awesome. Uh, I thought really good. One of the best games he's ever played. You get the pick. You get the high-quality play against a high-quality opponent. Um, you get clutch pass breakups. I know he gave up the deep ball, missed a couple, missed a tackle, maybe two. Uh, and he dove for that one and then didn't get it and let the guy run up the sideline after the catch. But all those negative plays considered, I don't think they took anything away from the positive plays he had. And I thought when you weigh those against each other, I mean, the, the positive plays made it. So this is one of the best games I've ever seen him play, especially considering the competition. Um, Cheeto, worth talking about just because when he came in and he got beat on the deep ball, he it didn't look so much like the knee was an issue. He just looked injured trying to run and it felt it looked hard for him to run in that situation so i'm not overly concerned about him in terms of like ah, he just doesn't have it anymore i think that ball came and it was like a ooh, he doesn't look healthy enough to be on the field right now yeah he's battling the back injury um and it was kind of a game time decision with cheeto playing and you know he tried he tried to give his all, and and you hope that maybe this extra week during bye week will will kind of help him and, and rest him because you still want Cheeto out there. Um, you know, it's it's still impressive what he what he came back from in the offseason and and then he unfortunately had to battle another injury from practice. Uh, but we'll see what we'll see what Cheeto looks like when he returns. But you have guys like Cam Taylor Britt stepping up. DJ Turner. How'd you feel about him when you went back and watched the team? It was a little up and down, um, but I think a little bit more up than I thought initially. It, it wasn't bad, and, and I know at least one of the plays, when I watched it again, I was like, oh, I don't think that was on him. Like That was actually the guy getting behind Dax, and he's trying to help. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't move me off of my feelings about him from last week for the most part, even if it wasn't as good of a game, just... He's athletic. Uh, he's a good corner, I think, and needs more reps so that he can be more consistent. I don't think he was bad in this game. I don't think he was amazing. I think he was all right. And those games are all, those games are fine. I almost said all right again. Those games are fine. Like from any corner, you're going to have some games that are just all right, and you let a guy get behind you once or twice. We'll go to the safety position. Uh, it's been the talk of the defense over the last few weeks. We didn't see that 50 rotation pretty much like we thought we would with Jordan Battle and Nick Scott. Uh, Nick Scott, I know there was the pass interference on the first drive. Um, I don't know if that was a pa clear pass interference, but he got the pass interference. How did you feel Nick uh, bounced back in this game? I mean, really, the pass interference, by the level of the law, yeah, it's one, but – I don't think his hand impacted the play. Uh, he broke it up. And to me, I was like light. And yeah. it seemed like one of those where 
I, I don't think I'm going to criticize him too much. He was in a good spot. He made the play on the ball. He just had his hand in an unfortunate spot on the other side, and it didn't really have an impact on the play. Uh, I thought he was okay. The deep ball that was on him, the post down the field, the quarter, quarter, half, he was in half and let the post get in front of him without reacting quick enough. Um, I think he's sometimes a little, ang- a little too eager to jump out of his gap in the run game, and he has to fit the he has to fit the run a little bit more now in the box because they're trying to transition Dax Hill to play more deep safety. Uh, and I think that transition is also happening because I think they want this to eventually be Jordan Battle's job. So they need Dax to be able to play deep more often because that's where he seems because Battle seems more suited at the NFL level to be more in the box and working against the run underneath whatever else with that, even though Dax is really good playing those spots. Uh, we'll see. I, I do think that the reason Scott never really got benched in this game other than a couple plays was because he didn't miss any tackles. Like, that was what I've been saying is that that's the biggest thing is he keeps missing tackles. And I think that's why he got benched against Arizona. We don't know. Like the coaches aren't just going to come out and say that. Mm-hmm. I don't think, uh, but the, when I'm watching, I think he's fine for the most part. And then he'll miss a tackle or uh, doesn't make a play when he should in when there's a ball carrier nearby. That's the biggest issue for me is he's missing these tackles. And he didn't miss any tackles this game. Now, at least from what I remember, and I don't believe when I looked at the stats, I saw any missed tackles charted to him. There were a couple in the game, even though there weren't that many for a good running back and group of skilled players. I think that's the that's what it is though is when he misses tackles they're gonna pull him if he doesn't miss the tackles they are perfectly fine leaving him in there because he's doing all right he's adequate you know like that's kind of how I describe the whole time but uh, some people want more and then kind of get hyperbolic on the other end about everything bad is his fault yeah I think Luna Romo said they had five missed tackles um when you go back two weeks ago to the Titans game they had 12. So that's a huge uh, difference in, in just the last two weeks for the defensive side alone. Uh, you, you were talking about Dax Hill six games into his, I, I like to call it his rookie year, but it's not. It's his second year in the NFL, but his uh, first real year as a starter. How'd you feel he, he looked on Sunday? Yeah, I think it's mostly good. Um, there's still some growing pains here and there with being basically a rookie safety playing deep for when he's playing deep a majority of the time, it's like the first time in his career he's done that. Uh, there was one play that Gino didn't throw that I thought could have gone terrible for them as a wide open touchdown because he had his hips open the wrong way. And I'm not sure he could have recovered over the top and nobody carried Metcalf down the sideline, but they didn't throw it. So it doesn't matter. Uh, we don't know what would have happened. Maybe he would have recovered and made a play on the ball he had that play at the end of the game where he broke on it and was able to get in front, almost pick the ball off and end the game. So there was plenty of like in this game from him. I, uh, I do think it's not, you know, perfect just yet, but he's growing into that role. And I do think he gets probably better each week, or at least even if the progression isn't fully linear, he looks to me better now this week and last week than he didn't, like a combined week one, two effort. 
it'll be something to watch when uh, they face San Francisco if we see more of a percentage change and snaps when it comes to Jordan Battle and Nick Scott. And I thought Jordan Battle played well when he got in there. I mean, I, I don't think he's not playing because of him. He's not playing because Scott's doing all right. Yeah. If Scott takes a step back, he'll get more opportunities. If he misses some tackles, he'll definitely get some opportunities, I think. But when Scott's doing all right, they didn't really have a need to flip over to Jordan Battle, and that kind of gets you back into the Lou Anarumo. Really doesn't love messing with these things. Um, but I do think I am at the point now where I do think this will be Jordan Battle's job before the end of the year. And I mean, it could happen as early as after the bye week. Maybe they just really want to ramp him up as a rookie and give him that extra week of prep. Although I would still say I don't really want him making that first career start against Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. Uh, mm-hmm. But it could happen. I think this is a spot they could throw him in there. Overall, I just I think he's playing well. I don't want to take anything away from him and why he's not playing. It's not like a ha ha, he sucks. I told you. It's just a he's playing pretty well for a rookie. He hasn't been asked to to do a ton just yet because he hasn't played a ton. Um, but I do think he will win that job by the end of the year. Yeah, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And uh, we'll see what happens in um, less than two weeks now for, for the Bengals when they face the 49ers. And then they have the Bills right after that at home, sweet home. Any final thoughts about this game? Um, Just a shout out to Lou Anarumo for – putting together a really high quality game plan. I think he knows how to dial the right buttons on when to send the pressure, when not to send the pressure, when to bring pressure and drop out of it, when to disguise his coverage, when to leave the coverage as it is. And he got his guys playing and communicating at a high level on the back end. It really felt like a high quality game from the defense. And some of that, and a lot of that in my opinion has to go when you give credit to the defensive coordinator who's dialing up all of the different plays and pushing the right buttons and getting the game plan done so that they're taking away a lot of Seattle's core concepts. And you look at Seattle's side, the OC, uh, Pete Carroll, all really good coaches. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, just credit to, to the Bengals. I know that a lot of people point at the score and you look at the offensive side of the ball and it, and it wasn't good enough. You look around the league it was a really low scoring weekend for a lot of offenses. And it seems like that for, you could look at Kansas city, you can look at Buffalo struggles and some of the top teams in the AFC not named the Miami dolphins. Um, they seem to be kind of dealing with their own offensive issues too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of the teams that people kind of point to like, why can't they do that? It's always funny to me when teams point, when people point to like Minnesota as an offense. Like, why can't you replicate Minnesota? It's like Minnesota's not doing that well. <laughs> like they're all right. Uh, but overall scoring was down throughout the league. And if you play fantasy, I feel like you know that because a lot of the fantasy scores were down around the league. Like I know I won scoring below average because my opponent also was well below average. It's like, yeah, uh, it, I know on Yahoo, they basically have like the, the green for above your projection and red for below your projection on the on the team. And it was like eight reds and two greens for my 10 team Yahoo League where everybody's scoring was pretty down. Mm-hmm. It was good for a defense. If you like defensive football, it was your weekend because it, I couldn't believe when I looked around, I'm like, OK, you know what? doesn't look that bad in Cincinnati. And, and it's just encouraging because I think you can point out a lot of games this season and say, man, Defense, there's some question marks. 
I'm not really sure. You know, there's a lot of missed tackles and it's vet guys on this team. But when you see what this defensive line is able to do, because we talked about it before the season, there's a lot of money on your D line and you want to see these guys step up. You want to see the pressure to the quarterback. And we're finally seeing that. Um, and it's something that I don't think we can even point to the last two years with this defense. And uh, just to have that is an extreme positive when you look at some of these offenses that they will have to face on the back half of the schedule. Yep. Yep. Next two weeks is going to be huge. They were the defense, in my opinion, was good the past two weeks. I know some people had issues with the Cardinals game, but that when you actually look into the stats of the Cardinals game and think back on it outside of some of those huge plays, they were overall very good defense. Um, they need to stop allowing a couple explosive plays a game, but it kind of is what it is. Offenses get paid too. And when you miss tackles and things like that, it doesn't seem sustainable, but it's what's happening to them. And they, Oh man. The last thought is just, they don't have depth on the interior of the defensive line. When DJ reader and BJ Hill go out, it's noticeable. And there's really no fix for that right now. I, I mean, there's a reason that any interior defensive lineman you're thinking of is on, is on the streets or in the case of, J2 Fele, uh, there's he's, he's not helping the run defense. Like he gets out there and they gave him a few snaps in the run game and he lost. It feels like, man, they have like one too many edge guys and they'd have one too few interior guys and it's too late to really make a move on that. So they just need those guys to step up or maybe figure out a way to work around it. Yeah, and and we'll talk plenty as we get ready to you know finish out the bye week and look ahead to the Niners. But I'll just say this now: I know a lot of Bengals fans feel a certain way about this guy. You need to go get this guy or go get this tight end from another team. Um, I will be shocked if any of that happens for their front office. I think they are definitely going to be rolling with the guys they have, and um, it's just what they do. And and look, they've made a lot of changes over the last few years and changing their ways of how the front office thinks. But I still feel like they are content with who they have in their locker room it could be on the practice squad it could be on the 53 man I don't see them making a move for a tight end I don't see them making a move for an RB2 on another team if there's a guy on the street maybe um for added depth but I think they're just going to roll with what they have and they just there's some things that they need to figure out on the offensive side I'm not down on it they have all the talent in the world when you when you have guys like Jamar Chase T Higgins uh Tyler Boyd Joe Burrow, I, I have faith that they're going to be able to, to turn this thing around on the offensive side of the ball and, and going into the bye week at, at the perfect time. And then hopefully they come out of it. And Joe is 100% with his calf. I know we haven't really got a percentage date on how he's feeling, but um, it seems good. And there was no setbacks. And I think you take that. You don't apologize like he says for a win. And you go in at 3-3 three and three after that 0-2 start and you run. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. They've done this before. I would be more worried if they didn't do this exact thing last year and the year before where they're not in a great spot and it looks daunting with the schedule and they just win a majority of the tough games. I mean, it's not ideal, but at the same time, they've done it. So I'm not too concerned. I'd be way more concerned if they were not three and three, if they were two and four type of situation. Two and four would be that would be uh, that would be pretty difficult to dig yourself out of, uh, but you're gonna have plenty. I'm, I'm gonna you're gonna be working during bye week, correct? You're gonna have content over on all Bengals. Yes, uh, although I, I'm gonna definitely have an article up. Hopefully, by the time you listen to this, but I actually, for once, uh, I, I do feel a little bit of like a, I probably could put this out if I'm if I'm like instead of killing myself to get it out Wednesday, I probably could get this out Thursday. People really wouldn't care with it being a bye week. Um, 
So it could come Thursday. It could come uh, Wednesday. We'll see. Um, and then I'm hoping I'm active, but for my fellow PlayStation fans, Spider-Man 2 comes out on Friday. So we'll see how much of anything I'm doing. Uh, you know what? I, I definitely know during Sunday football, I'm absolutely going to be playing the game and just have those games going on in the background. As you're like, oh yeah, that team's winning. There is nothing like when your team is on a bye week. I mean, it is, especially when, even at 500. You sit at 500 or better, you are just going into bye week. You're going to enjoy Sunday football. And it is, it's very nice. Uh, so I hope you enjoy that. That's great. Don't work too hard. Don't play Spider-Man 2. It's See, this is me being absolutely dumb. Is it Spider-Man on a game? Or is it yeah, a, yeah, I yeah. a movie? No, it's a game. It's, they, okay. they did the first one, I think, 2017. And now they've just made the sequel. Great. Mike's going to be doing that. He'll be ready to roll next week. Well, we'll actually have a double mailbag on Thursday. And then the following week, we'll get into all everything. Second half of the season, 49ers matchup, all that fun stuff. Make sure you follow along over on Twitter, Bengals underscore fans. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. Thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.